I didn't know the collab I needed was Dan Campbell and Derek Lalone, but here we are, and I'm waiting on it. I've been preaching it forever. I know, especially for us <laughs> in the podcast. I don't think there's anything that's been more long awaited for this group anyway. And of course, Grant's not here today, but to talk about it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Motor City, Dan Campbell and Derek Lalone. Let's make it happen. Get these two together. And it drives me. So, so obviously, it stems from um, the post-practice uh, media availability. And Derek Lalone said he he said he was invited to um, training camp for the Lions. He could have been on Hard Knocks. That would sweet. That would have been sick. But he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but he says he wants he wants uh, Lalone wants Campbell to come into the locker room and pump up the fellas before a game when their season's yeah. over. Can you How about imagine? Every game? How about every game? Kneecaps per sixty are go <laughs> way up, way up. Yeah, that's the only Ben Sherratt. Oh my god, he's gonna be a menace. That's that's gonna be Dan Campbell's favorite player. He's gonna be a freaking running or linebacker out there for the Lions next season. You take one look at Elmer Soderblom and be like, "Holy shit, <laughs> we need you." We but need yeah, Lalone said like, "It's not a guy I want to wrestle with." Looking at Dan Campbell, and then he said, uh, "If I do get in a bar fight, though, I want him on my side." Absolutely. <laughs> I just thought that was super funny. Like that's, like, that's un- like, unprovoked. Derek yeah. Lalonde is he's so uh, so personable. Yeah, I was just it's fun say, to have like, a coach all... with a personality. Oh, for sure. But that's I was just gonna say that's an all time like newsy comment, just uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he, he's super pumped because uh, he went to the so the because obviously with the huge storm in Buffalo, he went to the Bills game on Sunday in Detroit. But then the Bills play the Lions on Thanksgiving in Detroit right. again. So he gets to go to the game again because he's a big Bills fan. So yeah. that's uh that's quite it's quite the thing for him. Of course he copped out and he's like, Yeah, the Lions are my NFC team. Yeah. It's like, okay, oh. you don't have to you don't have to say that. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, it's playing to the people. He is, absolutely. He's a man of the people. Um, but yeah, welcome into another episode of the Production Line Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. And I'm Andy. Yeah, before we get started, uh, I just want to let you know this episode is sponsored by ESPN Plus. Uh, be sure to sign up with ESPN ESPN Plus using uh, InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. Again, um, super helpful for myself being a New Englander now, converted, and being able to watch the Red Wings on the East Coast uh, when I'm out of the range of Michigan. Uh, yeah, great service. A lot of ESPN Plus broadcasts themselves. Um they also have a lot of good like women's league is now like um, PHWA is now starting to get on there. PHF is on there. Um, also, the Swedish league's coming up. So uh, Marco Casper content. Oh, absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, sign up with ESPN, sign up at ESPN plus today. Um, yeah. So with the Red Wings, the week that was I love we're on these. Uh, I literally titled the last episode ebbs and flows and uh, we are on another we're on another ebb. <laughs> yeah. If that's the correct one, because I think would, would flows be the downward or would ebbs be up? What do you think? What's your personal opinion on that? Well, it's up. I don't know ups and downs, highs and lows. So I, I just, I just, but like, I think you, you know, the term, you know, the term ebbs and flows, right? R- right. So I'm just thinking like ups and downs, highs and lows. I think ebbs would be on the way up. Okay. So we're going to have that as ebbs. Uh, so Jordan Everly's. Yeah. yeah. We're, on the, we're on the Jordan <laughs> Everly right now. Um, Yeah. Uh, I think Grant called it too, a little Nostradamus action. Uh, five out of six points. Yeah, he did. Finish the road trip. Uh, yeah. It was not feeling good after the Anaheim game, that's for sure. No, I was pissed. Yeah, I'm glad that they s- kind of split up the 
the West Coast trips because obviously they still have to do like Western Canada and probably Vegas yeah. too, which is gonna suck. But like again, getting the getting three of the California teams out of the way for my sleep purposes is nice. Yeah, Santa, remember that Santa, used to be that was a nightly thing for us though. But when we we're growing up, yeah, I was never playoff, allowed to, to be honest. I was friends. never I was never allowed to stay up that late as a kid. So like I'd like get like the first period and go to bed. Oh yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it was a grind. Like I mean, obviously you get to, you get all forty one for the home games, but then it's kind of a crapshoot the rest of it. Like even like a, a Colorado game that's nine p.m. Right, and as like an eight year old, obviously my parents don't want me wired <laughs> trying to stay up for that. So I had to go to bed yeah. for that. But I would sneak the radio and listen a little Read bit. Little Ken Cal action. Little Ken Cal action. Nothing wrong with that. No, Especially when they started radio. doing like when I got an iPod and they started doing like the on the NHL uh, app, you could do yeah. like the list. You can do the listen to the radio on that too. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd crush that too. But yeah, <laughs> good stuff there. But yeah, um, California road trip and the road trip in general wrapped up. Um, starting in Anaheim though, uh, definitely a game the Red Wings needed should have won. I was gonna say needed, but they should have won it. Three two loss overtime. And again, the Red Wings are now 0-4 in overtime or with the shootout as well against Montreal. But um, not a great game. A lot of weird plays. It was a kind of a it was a really sloppy game. Um, there were bonuses, though. I mean, Burt and Wallman returned to the lineup. Yep. And again, I mean, Bertuzzi a little bit earlier than expected, I, I believe, because I think it was supposed to be I think I was projecting him somewhere around uh, Thanksgiving ish around this time right, right now. Yeah, like around this week, maybe like early next week. Yeah, so come back a little early, which is uh, which is a, definitely a positive sign, but also can be worrisome with a guy like fighting injury and stuff. And I know there was one point where I don't know if it was this game or one of the other games he blocked a shot in the hand, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, eerie, eerie about it. Yeah, yes, but um, the real the real uh headliner is John Jonathan Bergeron scoring his first NHL goal in this game. Power and play on the power play on the second unit, a second unit goal, which is extremely rare at this point. Yeah. And I mean, we can get into a little bit more, um, but the Red Wings finally now have two usable units, which was like my main concern for a while. Right. It's just not having like you have to go to die. Like we right like the, at one point it was it was Adina, Cop, Soderblom, Sherratt and Heronic or Cider or something like that. It was like rotating, I think. Yeah, it was. Kind it of like was, next man up mentality. It was bad. It was really bad. And f- having a guy like Bergeron being able to fill in and actually get an opportunity is huge, especially mm-hmm. with like all the injuries up front. Um, Soderblom out. Um, and again, he's still not skating, so that's not a great sign for him. Um, you gave a look. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I wonder what's going on there. Like he blocked a shot in the foot. I'm assuming it's just like a swelled ankle, and he can't like put it in his boot. I'm assuming. Yeah, I I wonder if there's like a fracture there, like a hairline fracture, because he still had, like you said, he still hasn't been skating, and that's been a couple of weeks now. Yeah, I believe it was November 9th, I want to say, 8th. And we're what, the 20th right now? 22nd, 22nd right 20th. now. Yeah. So two, so... Week, two weeks. Right. That's wild when it was supposed to be a day to day thing. Exactly. That's what just makes me think there's something a little bit more. I know Lalonde, uh he kind of teased that, not teased, that's not the right term for it, but like he did hint at the possibility of a conditioning loan to Grand Rapids for him when he does come back, which makes sense. You absolutely should. Yeah. 
two, three yeah, games but, down there. Yeah, and depending on what other injuries look like, returners and stuff like that. I know like there's been reports about how Fabry's looked and he's looked really good and he's buzzing around in practice, which is super encouraging, especially for a guy who's had a bunch of bunch of work done and he never can really get traction. I'm really rooting for him to come back strong. Same, like for a guy young in his career, like to go through what is it, two ACLs? Three now? Yeah. So that's it's three. <laughs> two, two on, obviously two on one leg, which is Right. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just hoping he finds his way back and comes out with the blaze. I don't mean to make a joke about this, but I was watching this movie the other the other day. Have you seen The Great Outdoors? Oh yeah. It's like the dude that got struck by lightning sixty six times. <laughs> it's like how does how does someone tear their ACL yeah. three times? Yeah, literally. It's terrible uh... luck. I don't mean to poke fun at Fabry or anything, but like it's just like, come on, man! Like the luck is just oh, it's the odds. Shitty, yeah, shitty bounce after shitty bounce. I guess no. for sure, for sure. But yeah, this game, um, again, the other Bergen goal, really nice. Uh, it was a weird rebound because it was a point shot from Heronic that hit um one of the Ducks players in the face. Former Sioux Ground, Colton White. It was Colton White. I couldn't yeah. remember. I was about to say Simon Benoit. Again, no. both no names on the left side, so it's just like okay. Um, but yeah, Colton White. Yeah, what a shout out. Interesting. Yeah, I totally forgot it was him. Um, but yeah, just bangs in the rebound, and again, like that unit now, Gabertuzzi, Raymond, Bergeron, Cop, and Heronic. I mean, that's a pretty solid second unit. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like you know, like you said, Fabry's coming back hopefully soon, sooner rather than later. Which I mean, other reps on another look there, and then Verona, whenever he decides to mark, right? Whenever he can come back and is ready to play, if definitely makes things interesting, right? Especially if we keep healthy bodies in the lineup moving forward. That is the big question, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's been. I will say, like, with how many injuries we've gone through, like the ones we've gone through, I'm pretty impressed with overall record. Um. Well, really impressed, I should say. Not pretty impressed. Really impressed. I think Lalone said they've taken 13, uh, on, uh, 13 out of 18 games, they've taken points. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah, exactly. And then a lot of new faces, a lot of young faces, uh, new new like chemistry developed, like, or new combinations and all that, for the most part. Yeah. You 100%. know, so it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. And then like this kind of this game kind of went a little weird. I mean, the there was an ugly, ugly goal on the on the penalty kill. A lot of bounce like Huso had to make a couple big saves, and then obviously McTavish is kind of just wide open, nobody really covering him. Um, and then later in the game, uh the Rasmussen that everyone wants to see came out. That goal was unbelievable. Yeah. That was just, sweet. Just he, drive, he used just driving around yeah, driving around the net using his size and just turning and shooting. Yeah, he used every inch all of that six six frame of his to you know drive in around the net. Is he six six? He is six six, yes. Okay, so I thought I couldn't remember if he's six six or six seven. But yeah, he used every inch and just literally kind of like a no look through a net, went in, buried. Very it. much reminded me of like when I'd watch his junior highlights. Yes. How don how dominant he was physically in the corners, and again, I think he's done really well, like like off the cycle and stuff. And this is something the Red Wings have done actually pretty well all year, consistently, mm-hmm. especially the Rasmussen line on the cycle, just because of their size. I mean, obviously Sunquist is a guy who gets in there quick, 
and uses yeah. his size. Um, and Ernie's also been someone always who's really good with it. Just like sometimes his decisions to just throw it in front can kind of ruin the cycle. Right. It's he's a say energy player. He's not going to be out there dancing around with the puck. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, right. it, it can be sometimes a, a drill buster. You can say where he's just throwing it to throw it there. But <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, no, that, that was a sweet shot by Rasmussen. Yeah, it was. Beautiful, and, like. Blind yeah. shot, well placed. Like Cam has a good screen in front of him too. Yep. And I was feeling pretty good. And then obviously uh Ducks tied it with fifty seconds left, which of course and of course Klingberg's first goal of the year. Yeah. I called that too. I looked at my grandpa, I was watching the game with my grandpa. I was like, Hey, mm-hmm. they're gonna tie it up right now, just the way things were going. Yeah, it, that game was really um it's something a bad habit that like they they've kind of continued. And again, I don't know if this is something the coaching staff is really pressed, but Almost just slamming on the brakes in the third period. Yeah, what is it? What was it? Was it this game in our text chat, or is it a couple games ago where I was like, I thought we got rid of Blashel? Blashel. I think it might have been this game. Yeah, where we just kind of like we literally just stopped pressing. We just went back into a shell, defensive shell, and it came back to bite us in the ass again. Yeah, and I felt like there was a couple games early on, especially if you think about the LA game. I mean, we didn't have the lead, but again, we're playing hard in the third period. You're trying to push. Um, I'm trying to think of another game, for example, that would have been. I think the first game of the year, Montreal. I thought the other Red Wings did pretty well with it, but yeah, again, that's just something that very much old school. Just like, all right, let's play it safe, and I get, I get the sentiment of trying to like limit any mistakes offensively. But again, if you're just caved in your own end, something's going to happen. And uh, I mean, obviously it's a six on five goal. Sure. But again, could have been avoided. And also I forgot who was on the empty net. I think it might've been Ernie. No, it wasn't Ernie. Was it? Someone didn't shoot for the empty net when they could have. Yeah. I think they wanted to gain the red, right? I think it was Ernie. Yes. He, he wanted yeah. to gain the red and he, then by that time there's three or four ducks players in front of the, in the lane there so he dumped it in the corner which again i get it but also it's just like you gotta take those chances yeah well, flick it on flick it over their heads Try i understand something. the red wings the red wings in the face-off circle is not really good this year but neither right. are the ducks i'm pretty sure the ducks actually had a lower face-off percentage in this game like going into this game oh, yeah it was pretty bad both ways but yeah i believe they were lower yeah. it's like these two it's like the the meme is like these people these girls are having a mid-off <laughs> it's just just the ducks and the red wings looking at each other um but uh yeah so it goes into overtime and of course the red wings choking overtime and it was a it was all red wings but again really no like besides like sustained pressure there was no good look the the cider one that was about it yeah and even that was like he slapped at it like it was a yeah pa- he, it was a nice he, pass he had... but like he could have stopped it and tried to make a play yeah, he nice pass from Larkin, I believe, correct? Yep. And then he handled it well because it kind of was behind him. I think he brought it between his feet. Yep. And it was kind of like just a fluid kinda, motion, like a swoop. Yeah, and he had so much more time than he thought. Mm-hmm. And Gibson was literally just sitting there. He looked at it. Like, I don't think he even flinched his like head or anything like that. Some goalies no. will try and track the bucket. He just lit it hit his walker, and he sat there, and the puck turned back up ice. Yeah, and it was an unforced error the the other way by Pertuzzi, and that was I mean, there's no defending; it was dumb, and I'm sure nobody really had to tell him after the game. I mean, that's just a play you're like you feel bad about it, and everyone it's an unspoken thing, everyone right? Knows, yeah, everyone knows what happened. It's 
yeah, I mean, I was pissed off Adam, Adam, and I don't. That's my boy. I don't get pissed off at him, but I don't know. I I get it. It's first. It was his first game back after being off for a month to the exact you can, day. Of him you can see where you're looking. You can see where he was looking at. Like you can yeah. see, there'd been a two on one going the other way, waiting out the the other defenders. But again, when you have two guys right on top of you, or not right on top of you, but within five feet of you, and you try to just kind of—it wasn't a hard play. He didn't no. go to the boards. He tried to go up the middle, and that's that's a play that's always going to get sucked up. And again, I do appreciate the effort of trying to get back and stop it. But again, Huso's left out the dry two on one pass back door. Nothing you can do right. about it. And another thing about that is, if he was a righty. I would be okay with that play all day because that's on his forehand. That was a backhand oh, yeah. off. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? You know, it was a backhand off. A lot the easier toe. to hit the boards. Yeah, you can make you can make that bat. You can make that board pass right around. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I don't know. It was just a, a frustrating as a fan to watch, but brain fart. But it happens. Brain fart, and you still end up with a point. So I guess exactly. overall, like you can. Looking at it right away, it might not. It's definitely gonna sting a little bit more. But looking at it from a out, you know, a couple days out perspective, you're like, okay, could have been worse. Exactly. It is still super funny that the Ducks don't have a regulation win. That's impressive. That is. It's gonna be a record somehow, though. No? They're bad. Yeah, that's a, a modern are, era record, I should say. Yeah, because I mean, they have five wins, and all of them in overtime or shootout. Yeah, three overtime, two shootout, I believe, right? Some of that. Yeah. I know they've lost like a lot of like, with injury, but like their team, like look at their roster, you're like, ooh, if I get it. Oh, yeah. I get I get it. Yeah. Not much going there. And again, Pat Verbeek is the school of Steve Eisenman, and he's just like, I, I I can see what he's working with like in terms of like the rebuild, but yeah, not rushing anything. Take, <laughs> Absolutely not. Take take the time. Take the time you need. Um yeah. So obviously a little bit of a sour note, but then they move they move up up the coast, San Jose Thursday night, and this game was uh it was interesting. I don't I don't know if I like it. It was a much needed win, but I don't think it was a good win. Like there was definitely some super concerning aspects of this game. Yeah, there there was. It was uh, a roller coaster to say the least. Seven four win, and again for, to start off here. Um, I'm sure you saw these, but uh, the first time since uh, 2017, the Red Wings had um, three defenders score in a game. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that? Do you, can you name the defenders that scored? In 20, in 2017? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Horonic, I'm guessing, was he there? <laughs> no, he wasn't there. Horonic was. Okay. Uh, Horonic would have just been drafted. Just drafted, yeah. Okay, so um, Danny DeKaiser. No. Yeah, Cronwall. <laughs> One. Okay, that's all I got. <laughs> Mike Green and Nick Jensen. Oh, Jensen was there? okay. Okay, Green makes sense too. I should have thought of that harder. Yeah, yeah, longer. I mean, he's but... our he's he was our all, all of our offense, and then Nick Jensen. I mean, he was pretty solid. Nick Jensen is solid still. He's a good yeah. defender. Um, yeah. it was also the first time since two thousand nine the Red Wings had seven different goal scorers. Yes, that which is... is a bit that is a depressing stat. A little bit was that like yeah. What twelve? Yeah, how many years is that? Two thousand seven. That's um, holy two thousand nine. No, oh, it was two thousand nine. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So oh. ten, twelve. It's thirteen years. Yeah. Sure. Wow, impressive math by us there. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a long day. Long day for the fellas. You can tell we're blue collar guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Tough. Um, but no, there's there's a plenty of uh again, like in terms of offense, and one guy we're gonna talk about here is uh Phil Peronic. And it's really yeah. capped this really started. And again, he was having a good season. We mentioned it the last couple episodes how how is how good he's been. But this game especially, I mean, there was let's think about the first goal of the Red Wings. Uh that play by David Perron too. The no, patience, and then for Horonic to jump in, find the lane, and wait out Reimer. Just to open mm-hmm. up wide open net. Sick play. And I I, I was kind of listening, I forgot who I was listening, what I was listening to, but um, and we're just talking about like the importance of like David Peronda, Ryan O'Reilly, and how that adjustment's been for Ryan O'Reilly not having him there. But even looking at like David Peron, like whatever line he's been on this year, he's been that like safety net. Like he's in that spark of he'll just make that line better. Yeah, he's a driver, line driver, through and through. Yeah, and his, <laughs> like his puck protection is ridiculous. Yeah, it's I, as a Wings fan, we haven't seen anything like that. I said this before, but since that's like. Yeah, it's it's so impressive to watch him, and it's funny because like on this play here, on the first goal, he stops up just inside the blue line on the left side, right-handed shot, pucks out towards the blue line. Three guys just blow past him, and then he has that cross-seam pass. But mm-hmm. when he was going to like take it, like he took like two like steps. It looked like he was like learning how to skate. Like remember, how he's said, not a good he's not a good skater. Yeah, I hate watching him skate. Like especially well outside of Red Wings uniform, I hated watching him skate. I love him <laughs> in the Wings uniform. Right. But yeah, exactly. I was like, watching that play, I was like, okay, this is this reminds me of like, I don't know, just watching a toddler get on the ice for half a second for his first two steps, and that's a dart of a pass. He's definitely got some heavy boots. Yeah, but that's never, been, that's never been his game though. That's never no, been his game. Puck protection, which is why, which is why he's a player that's aged so well. Is someone he's right. never relied on his speed. He's relied on his headiness, and also, I mean, just think about how much the Red, how improved the Red Wings power play is. Because there would be so many times last season where puck would get on the half wall, they'd lose a battle, and <sighs> pucks out. Yeah, it's... not with David Perron. <laughs> David Perron literally does every, like. I don't know how many times he keeps the puck alive in the offensive zone a game. Countless. It's it's countless times and. It's so different to see from what we're used to in the last four, five years. Yeah. Se. It's, it's ridiculous. We actually hold the zone and gain offensive time. Isn't it nice? It's gorgeous. It's really nice. Really nice. Um, but yeah, obviously it's sweet play and obviously Heronix play of late. And I'm currently working on an article right now with Inside the Rink, so I'll probably be up with this one, depending on if I stay up and finish it today. We'll see. Um, the impact that Hronik has had on the Red Wings, and so far, I would argue that Hronik's been the Red Wings' best defender. Yeah, I'd say that. I agree with that. Maybe not defensively, but I mean, in terms of overall impact, he's definitely brought the most valuable value to the team. And again, Sider's had a bit of a slow start. He's picked it up of late. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, but I mean, look at his ice time. His ice time's gone up of late, and. In terms of role and stuff, the big difference this year, I mean, he hasn't been playing. Like, I, I checked his ice time. He's averaging only, like, 15 seconds more a game this year than last. It, yeah. The big difference is Ali Mata. Absolutely. As If you didn't say that, I was going to say that. We alluded to it last episode where he's his anchor on that. He lets him 
or not anchor, I guess. Well, yeah, he's he's his rock. Put it that way. Anchor sounds like he's holding in the back. He's let him. Do, he's letting Heronic be Heronic again. Yeah. No, and you know, it's it's super impressive in the sense of, I mean, you kind of look at it last year. Both Cider and Heronic had a revolving door of partners. For the oh, for yeah. the most part, Heronic had Nick Letty, and not a mix you want with those two defensemen, is considering they're both offensive defensemen. Right. And also Nick Letty is just a black hole in his own end, losing coverage and stuff like that. And Heronic got also I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just blame all Letty. Heronic also was pretty bad. And there we had plenty of episodes last year dedicated to bashing Heronic. Absolutely. Definitely. He was a black hole himself, and those two yes. just made a dark, a mega, mega black hole. It was frustrating yes. to watch. It was bad. And this year, in the sense of, I mean, a couple things. Obviously, Bob Bugner coming in is huge for the whole defense as a whole. Improved guys like Sherratt. You got Wallman this year for a full year. Um, Mata. And leading to this with a whole new system of just really bearing down defensively. It's led to a lot less of Heronic being lost in his own end. Yeah. And and uh loaned his credited Heronic of keeping his game simple in his own end, which has led to him have more time in the offensive zone. Yeah. There's only been a few times this year so far where we're like, okay, Heronic, what the heck? And that's gonna happen. You're 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 a defenseman in the best league in the world. You're a player in the best league in the world. That's gonna happen. hundred percent. So so it's refreshing to see it. It's nice to see that he's kind of rebooted had a clean slate with Lalonde and rebooted his his play style of play this year. Very much shades of his first two years in the league. Yes. Yeah. Where he and again, I do want to kind of make the comparison, which might sound crazy to people, but a healthy Danny DeKaiser was kind of like an Ollie Mata right now. Yeah. Not super like not the best skater, but he was very reliable and very safe with his movements in his own end, which is Ollie Mata to a T. Yep. Smart with the puck. Keeps it keeps it simple and doesn't play with the puck in his own zone at all. He gets it out first pass. Yep. And if he doesn't see that, he he clears it. And again, I think like part of like maybe subconsciously there were points with Nick Letty and Hronik would think about going to make a play in the offensive zone and be like, oh, I don't know what it's I don't know where Nick Letty's going to be. I have to. Then he panic and you make a panic move and what happens? You turn over. Turn it over. Like especially for like this play an example the David Perron like the David Perron assist like Hronik's way up there he's jumping in. It doesn't happen without like you're confident, like, okay, there's a guy back there for me. Right. And that goes to the the forward core a little bit too, with a couple of other veterans in there that mm-hmm. know like Perron himself. Might not be the fastest skater, but he's do if it, he turns the puck over or he's close by, if he's you know, uh to a turnover at the blue line, he is busting back to cover for that D man. Hundred percent. He knows, what, like, he, he, his... he knows what it takes to win. Yeah, his defensive his defensive me- metrics in, in terms of like offense and this, like on this team is really good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, yeah, Philip Ronick again. We'll talk more about him in Columbus, but um, yeah, it's definitely a huge revelation for the Red Wings. And again, I'm looking like looking at like some of the analytics because last year that was something I kind of ripped on him a little bit because he was pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, from involving hockey, I'm pretty sure he ranks fifth in. Um, I had the tweet. Um, well, this is really good podcasting. I I thought I remembered it off the top of my head, but I didn't. And uh, goals goals above replacement. Okay, G A R G A R Gar Gar. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, pu- I'm pulling up like I have it written down, like more so like in a thing. Yeah, so he ranks fifth with 6.6. And um, he's only behind Rasmus Dahlin, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, and Eric Carlson. Decent names on there. Decent names, yes. Um, from from Dom Lecision, um, from the Athletic, his models are pretty crazy. It's a it's game score game score value or game score value added. Um, Hronik ranks tenth in the league. That bum. Really, he's ahead of um, Devontae's and Mackenzie Weaker. Wow. So definitely super a big change from last year. Because like in terms of like defensive analytics last year, really poor. Like he was. Basically, like, all right, this guy's borderline replacement defensively. Um, yeah. Also, the pairing of Ali Mata and himself is 14th in term and like from um, Money Puck, 14th in um, expected goals against per 60 in terms of defensive pairings that have played over 100 minutes together. Wow. So they're uh, like basically, if they were to play six, 60 minutes, they would be expected to give up a little over two goals. Very okay. Very impressive. Um, yeah. Their offense, their expected offense is a lot is lower, so like they end up being like like a negative value. But I mean, they're basically they would define that as low event. This is before these two games. Come on, exactly. I'd probably, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, it's not actually because I, I checked it today. But again, oh, still a, a still. I mean, in terms of last year, comparing to like Nick Letty, it's almost a you're almost adding a goal on the, for the difference against per game. With right. Nick Letty pairing, I think it was two point, almost two point eight goals against. So you, yeah, basically a goal, which is a huge difference. <laughs> Over eighty two games, that's a huge difference. Huge difference, and it's been yeah, it's been something that's been super noticeable so far in in Hornick's game, and I'm very excited to see like how he continues it. I mean, fourteen points, eighteen games, pretty good. Yeah. The production was never really an issue though. I mean, he, last year he was still around a half point per game, which has kind of been his career average. Right, the year before that, he uh, he led us in points. I don't want to talk about that year. Adam also <laughs> led his team in goals. So yeah, what a year that was. Around. No, it wasn't. Everyone was injured. Um, Vlad Nemesikov was a staple in the second line, along with um, Valtteri Filppula. Yeah, Valtteri Filppula, it was either he was either scratched or in the second line. There was no in between. Yeah, I was gonna say he was either in the press box or literally. Playing twenty minutes a night on the second. I'm line. pretty sure Matias Brome played like seventeen <laughs> games and didn't put up. He put up like one point. I forgot he even played with us <laughs> or played there. Stuff. Stuff. I keep saying with us, like we're on the team. It's... He got. Cr- I don't know if you saw this. He got uh, elbowed by um, Marco Casper. Yes. In the Champions League, which yep. is pretty funny. Also, shout out Marco Marco Casper and the five one win today, a goal and an assist. He's been a monster this year. He's been on a tear. Yeah, he's a. Uh, He's going to make the team sooner than expected. I think he might be on the team next year, which will be yeah. a much welcomed um, addition for sure. Again, yeah. there's so much more talent coming. Um, but anyway, back to this game. Um, yeah, I, the one thing I like really stood with me, I mean, Braun scored the second goal of the game. It was off his skate. Nothing pretty, but I mean, him driving the net. And that top line, which is kind of something that has thrown been thrown together at times, but now that there's an actual second line, which we'll get into as well, that line is it's it's so nice to have. Yeah. Of Larkin, Kublik, and Perron. Yeah. It's surprising that Larkin's developed chemistry with those like two new guys right away. Yes and no. Um it frees him up a lot because you have 
your hound on the puck and your puck possession guy in Perron. And then you have your pure, I guess, goal scorer. And not, I guess, but your one shot that's going in the back of the net. He's the guy you're picking in Kubalik. And then Larkin can add in the offense with goals, but he's a play guy. He drives that line with his speed when he wants, when he really wants to use it. He can be yeah. lethal. So I don't know. It's just a change of scenery for him. And I, and I, I liked it. I love that line. Apparently, that line's yeah, awesome. You have a little bit of everything on that line. Um, maybe not so much grit. I'd say, like, I mean, Prun's a, a, a gritty-ish player. Like, he's hound on the puck, but he's not like out there laying bodies. He's a prick, though. Means. I'd say he's. A yes, prick. he is. Yeah. He, yeah uh, exactly. Yeah. My favorite goal of the night, though, was uh, Jake Wallman getting his first goals for Red Wing. There's so many things to love about this play. First of all, the cycle to start this by the third line, which is what we were talking about earlier in the Anaheim game with Michael Rasmussen. Adam Ernie also being useful, which is good. Mm-hmm. Bonus. Um, but then the dive by Michael Rasmussen to keep the play alive, to get it out to Walmart, using his reach, big boy doing big boy things. Oh, yeah. And then we've, we talked about last year a bunch of like how Jake Wallman, how good Jake Wallman's shot is, but like obviously he didn't score. I mean... A shot from that far out should never go in on a goalie, but that was the perfect shot. <laughs> and that was top cheddar. Crossbar. Like, I mean, there's like that sound was oh yeah. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss, yeah. Chef's kiss. Perfect. It was so again, it was an absolute cannon. Yeah. And I'm pretty was, sure but... I'm pretty sure Jake Wallman did hit the gritty though after after um scoring that goal. So I mean that was a little cringy. That's a dash two right there. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, um, but uh, like, we, I mean, we can talk about uh, Jake Wallman's game. So, like, how have you felt about his two games back or three games back now? Excuse me. So I only watched. I didn't get to watch any of the Columbus game, and I only watched half of this game. But it's. I was gonna say this when we we're talking about Nick Letty. I said, "Whatever, like, it's a random, under the radar, solid return." It's kind of what, you know, we needed a depth defenseman that has a cannon, brings a little bit of grit to him, size to our decor. But uh, I don't know, I, I've, re- I've been really impressed with him. Like, for a guy that never got a chance in St. Louis, really, he was in and out all the time, up and down. He, uh, I don't know want to say, like, exceeded my expectations, because, like, he's a, just a, you know, lower-end bottom line, or bottom pairing D, part, uh, D player. But I don't know. I've been impressed with him. It's I've, really uh, lo- I, I've loved his game personally. Yeah, he's um because we were talking about a couple weeks ago where we were like our bottom pairing on the decor was horrendous. It was scarce, and I think he he's shored that up a little bit more, quite a bit more. I really like the bottom pair right now with him and Osterly. Yeah, Osterly's another guy that. He's been once he got back in the lineup, he's been just keeping things simple again. And he's really impressed me too. That's a good segue because I did have that written down of how I've actually really liked that pairing in the sense of both guys very mobile. Yeah. Can skate with the puck and they also like I know Osterly sometimes got himself in trouble with trying to make a little too much, like when he was playing big roles last year. But in this in this scenario, he's only playing like 14, 15 minutes a night. He's been really keeping it simple on the back end and making the easy play, which has resulted in into really good transition for the Red Wings. Which yes. is something was... that the bottom pair with of Hag and Lindstrom was really struggling with. 
of just yeah. not moving the puck up ice. It rarely happened on a clean Woman, breakout. I, I don't know how to describe Woman. This like I, the, when I watch him, I'm like, I want to see more, not in a negative way, but more a curiosity. Like I want to see him play higher in the lineup. I want to see what he can do. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because I didn't. I didn't want to get a like a. I felt like if I was going because I was going to say the same thing, and I thought maybe I was getting a little too far ahead of myself. He has, in my opinion, some like un- untapped raw talent that we haven't seen yet, and because of the situation that he was in St. Louis, he, like I said, barely played. Came over here, he had to play every single game pretty much in order for him to keep become uh, stay at RFA. Correct. He was like 18, 18 of twenty, I think it was. He had to play. It was like sixteen out of twenty, I think, and he played nineteen games. Okay, okay, something. It was something ridiculous. It was majority of the games. I know Correct. that. But um, then him being out to start this year, though. Um, I don't know. I think he has. There's something more there, like you said. I agree. The only thing I don't like about him is his number change. I don't like uh, the Homer. The Homer yes. change. Yes. Yeah. I don't like that. Actually, like watching the ice, I don't, I don't mind as much. But like, it threw it threw me off on against the Anaheim game when I saw him out there. I was like, oh right, he switched his number to ninety six. I'm like, oh yeah, it's true, it's true. There's a couple weird ones. Pissick when he eventually makes his debut, that's gonna be a weird one for me. Did you, do you know what his number is? Is it forty three? Is forty three? Yeah, that's why I couldn't remember if it was forty three or um twenty four or not twenty four. Um, 43 or 42. Yeah, that's 43. Uh, that's going to be because I know he's like he was like 13 in a couple spots he was in. So I think that's probably why he went with just have a three in there. But yeah, that's going to be a, obviously is a Darren Helm stand myself. It's going right. to be a weird one to to actually see where someone else wearing a different number. Um, But yeah, the rest of this game, I mean, Joe Valeno scores again, which is again, another positive sign. And I've really liked that fourth that fourth line we can call it um of pew suitor Berger, and valeno yes some guys with some guys with some pace some offensive creativity and they're really good on the rush and i mean there was a started off with a nice little chip play by Bergen to find valeno who then tried to hit suitor in the slot gets blocked and valeno keeps moving moving his feet and gets the wraparound chance yeah yeah just <clears throat> what suitor didn't whiff on the shot but it was like poked off the end of a stick right Correct. Kind of deflecting in the corner there, and Valeno was quick to react and pull it around. I will say, um, Valeno has really impressed me a lot, especially in this, again, like you said, quotations, fourth line role. When he's getting those, uh, since he's been put, oh, sorry, since he's been put with um, Bergeron, those two have been feeding off each other well. I've seen a big jump in Valeno's game. Yeah, I, th- I like. I, there was definitely points where I like. Okay, he's kind of invisible, like earlier in the season. But since kind of Bergeron's come, he's mm-hmm. had that other skill. He's had that other really highly skilled player to play with. Feed off of each other, yes. Both have speed and play with pace and and have the ability. I mean, there's a couple of plays. There's kind of like not even looking at each other, making the small little passes and keeping play moving. And again, we've talked about Pew Suiters just being able to play up and down the lineup, and of course, like he just fits in well with anyone. He's our Swiss Army knife. All right. <laughs> oh, he is. Though. Come on. Uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I had to think about it. 
we'll almost put it up put it up for review but uh passes <laughs> passes um yeah we're feeling really good at this point but then uh the red wing's gonna red wing and oh. uh and the face-off the face-offs are have been an issue for a while but it's not even the fact that they're losing face-offs it's the fact that nobody knows what they're doing after the face-off the assignments have been messed a lot yeah I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was right off. I literally sent out a tweet about Vili Huso making a huge save. And I'm like, big save, Vili. Puck, and then all of a sudden it's a whistle. Like, I think they come back, or not, not, I don't think they went to commercial. But anyway, as soon as the whistle goes, all of a sudden it's in the back of the net. I'm yeah. like, well, that H, like, you know, cheese that is left out. Like, that's <laughs> it was like, literally like out. 45 seconds real time later, they score. <laughs> they just bury can, it. Can we just acknowledge how bad that was? Cheese that has been left out. Like age like yeah. milk is the term I was looking for, but then I just I went to some dairy product. There you go. Dairy doesn't age well. Yeah, dairy doesn't age well. So we'll just go with that. We'll just keep it ominous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Logan. I mean, that's a tough one too. Like just like hits. It was gonna go wide by Carlson, and it hits Logan Couture, and it's just like really uh, obviously like committed to the shot, and he's just not there. Um, yeah. and then I don't know. I need to look at the time. The time difference on it. It was close. Yeah, three minutes. Three minutes difference. Uh, Andrew Kopp loses a face-off. Nobody knows what they're doing. And Eric Carlson, I'm pretty sure, he, who did he walk? He walked Raymond, I believe. Yes. Tur- turned him inside out. Shot from, shot in. And Kopp followed his guy perfectly to the net. But then it went off Kopp's ass and in. Mm-hmm. Tough. I mean, you take the stick, which is you're 100% supposed to do. Hurdle had no chance of scoring. But cop did not account for him being used as his backboard. Yeah, his that that what well, dump truck of his was in the way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In the negative aspect, <laughs> it's a tough one too. It's just like you can see that everyone kind of like knew what they're doing. But again, I mean, that kind of starts like Raymond's probably got to get a stick on Carlson there, um, and just a lot of things. You need to win the face off too. That's a that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's been an issue. Um, but yeah, it's four four and. Uh, every Red Wing fan is just like they're staying up for that. I mean, I stayed up for this game, and it's a ten thirty start time, right? Which is a tough one. Um, yeah, Cider gets his first of the year right after that. Yeah, that was. I can't remember how this one went in. I cannot can't explain it. To you. Ba- all, very, very identical to the heroic play from the first goal of the game. <sighs> okay, David. David go, go ahead. You take it from here. <laughs> Sorry, Heronic's goal, the first goal. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it was this game where he just did, was he like two feet in front of the net and just no, for a clap. No. That was the Columbus one. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Sorry. No, this is the one where Perron fed him across ice and then um faked out Reimer and just had a wide open net. But the cider one again, Perron on the left side waits out the defenders, gets another seam again, passes it across the cider. And probably a shot that Cider shouldn't score on, but again, it was a much needed goal. It was almost right. a celebration. Like you look, you can tell he's just like more like relieved than happy. Yeah, it's like okay, he can breathe now. He can breathe again. Yeah. And and again, I thought like these past couple games, I'm like Cider's kind of back. He's oh, feeling, he's he's yeah. himself. He his play jumped up a lot this trip. Heronix, obviously, a lot of our D Wallman's back in the lineup too so like we just talked about him so yeah it's been it's been big and obviously it's a huge goal and then right away like when you think San Jose is going to get a little more momentum I'm pretty sure they hit a post um then Andrew Kopp does a little high flip changes 
But then it springs Pew Suter, who kind of out of nowhere just gets a breakaway. And he doesn't have the possession of the puck yet. He's chasing it down. James Reimer decides way late he's going to go play the puck. And Pew Suter kind of just goes right around him and puts it in the net. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's a gift for us, so I'm happy about it. If... It, was a nice little, it was a nice little play by cop because, again, you're tired and you like just, I'm going to throw it out to center ice. Let's, I'm going to let him skate into it and let the winger skate into it, see what happens, and results in an easy assist for him. Didn't, didn't take an icing and didn't have to come stay back on. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was a, it was a, yeah, quite a nice goal. And then Kubalik obviously finishes an empty netter. So it ends up 7 4. And I'm pretty sure Grant and I were talking about the last episode, take the over because we figured it was going to be. Uh, yeah, Nadelkovic versus Kakinen, but and I I said seven five and that, man I was close, but I didn't realize it was me Billy Huso versus <laughs> James Reimer with two actual yeah. starters. So again, Reimer, who's a really solid goalie, not his night. No, uh, that play I guess like on the Suter goal kind of explained his night. Nothing. Yeah. It was just kind of mundane. <clears throat> you little... you burn the t- you burn the tape. Exactly. Yeah. It's all right. It's off water off the duck's back. Burn the tape. And yeah, the Red Wings are feeling pretty good about themselves going into Columbus, which finished up a road trip. I was a little nervous about the game, to be honest, because like all the injuries to Columbus, they they were actually playing pretty well. Red mm-hmm. Wings flying closer back to home, end of the road trip. I feel like those are always ugly games in the sense of like you can see the end of the light or you can see the, end yeah. of the light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, okay, this is almost done. Exactly. And uh, quite the opposite. They they destroyed the Cleveland Goudreau's. <laughs> six one yeah yeah and i mean i'm pretty sure what whose injury was it right before the game here i mean Wierenski got ruled out a couple weeks ago or beginning of the week i think was it was it line a yes line a with his foot yeah brain foot or some of that yeah like again they're they're miss they're again columbus is like they weren't a great team they're they were they should have been like fully healthy they're they're a competitive team to say the least yeah they got that uh that dog in them exactly to, to compete but they're not they're nothing they special they just they, they don't can... they don't have anything now they're just they're oh blankenberg was another one that got he's ruled out um yeah a couple days before the game was was gavikov he was gavikov. playing he was playing he played. okay because he, he was scratched for a bit there wasn't he he wasn't hurt but he got scratched a couple times I'm did he sure. no yeah. you're thinking of roslovic no i know roslovic but i thought Gavrikov he didn't play this scratched. game either he was sick but then he was also scratched Mm-hmm. times are tough yeah times are tough um yeah six one and the first period honestly was actually closer than what you'd expect the first power play was clicking and when we talk about more insider finding his game uh that pass to david Peron to start mm. the power play disgusting feeling himself oh yeah little fake little the- fake the slap shot but redirect it through your legs to david Peron, who then um Makes a pass. It ends up bouncing off a couple sticks. It goes to Larkin in the bumper spot, and he ends up just burying it. Yeah. Not the prettiest goal, but again, the puck movement's there. And that first unit again, like we, we've been talking about a while. And even though the percentage, I'm pretty sure the Red Wings are kind of like around 20th in the NHL. Yeah, I would, I would say in in power play percentage, it they've looked dangerous. There's not many times where I, I come out of a, a a chance and I'm like, that was bad. Only a select few this year. Like Which is whatever. a huge, huge difference. I, I can mm-hmm. like, I can see multiple shots. I'm like, okay, they, they're doing it. They're doing pretty well, actually. It, I okay, the San Jose game because their penalty kill is really good. I did notice a couple times where I wasn't crazy about, it, but their penalty kill is really good. 
Yeah, <clears throat> you take that with a grain of salt too. Like they have one of the better penalty kills in the league, I believe. Right? They were first. Wise. They were first, first. I believe. I, I I couldn't remember if it was top three or if they were first. I, I knew I they know, were last year. Last year under Bugner, they were third, and so right. I guess they continued their strong penalty killing with the yeah. absence of Bugner, which I mean, good for them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, one nothing, and then. Uh, as we talked about with Heronic, there's not many plays this year where he got put on a pedestal in a negative way, but uh, Boone Jenner walked in like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> he just dangled him. Nothing much else to say about it, and uh, I'm pretty sure Lillian kind of phrased it as uh, Heronic, the MJ meme. I took that, and I took that personally. Yeah. <laughs> and Heronic went out and just scored two of his own. Okay, now I can talk about this one. Yes, you can. Go for it. He was... Inside the hash marks in the slot, and he teed up a clapper. I freaking loved it. He, didn't <laughs> he, he tickled, he tickled the roof of that thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his follow through hit the hit the hit the net, <laughs> like hit the crossbar. <laughs> I was dying. Live. So, like I said, I didn't uh, didn't get to watch this game live, and I just went through the app and I was watching um, uh, TSN, sorry, Sports Center, on the Canadian side, and I didn't see like. I was in the kitchen and I heard Heronic scored one and then I was like, okay, whatever. Didn't see it. I watched the game pack tonight just before we hopped on and I was dying laughing at how just it's aggressive that was. Comical. I mean, really good, really good forecheck by Kubelik to force the turnover. Again, he's not going to get an assist on it, but it's just like, oh man, if you could credit an assist, that'd be it. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bounce in front. Uh, then the other goal, I think is equally hilarious, if not more hilarious in the sense of nobody knew it was in besides Heronic. Yeah, everyone was like looking around for it, and he was he celebrated. It's kind of like the Patty Kane goal. Yeah, twenty ten. Right, just as yeah. important. Just as important. Yeah, well, yeah, I think this is more important. Yeah, I mean, a random Saturday in Columbus. Yeah. In November, <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely more important than the Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup final. But um, right, man, yeah, that was a. I was for a second. I'm like, why is he? Why is he celebrating? I'm like, I thought the, I thought he just rifled it over the net. Yeah. Uh, and and Perron, like, I love how Perron like double checked. It went back well, and he's like, "Oh, it's in." Yeah, but well, was was it Perron or Kubelik that was standing there looking at it and like because it was like uh, tucked up underneath the back bar. I believe it's Perron. Was it Perron? He was sitting there yeah. staring at, it, looking at it. He was pointing at it to the ref, and the ref's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I get it." <laughs> really nice play by Larkin too on that. Again, cross cross ice and Heronic being able to jump in and be a little more free. In the offensive zone with a defensive-minded guy, and again, we we're talking about. I think last episode we we're talking about. Hey, maybe they should explore splitting up the pairings. No, uh, Heronic's having a good time right now. Well, let's not let's not ruin that. Three I think I'm, I'm more confident. I'm more confident about Cider finding his game rather than Heronic doing well under a different. Uh, doing well with Ben Sherat, I would say, because I think that's just a, again a guy who's super aggressive, and you're not really knowing what's going on. I'd like and again. We can talk about Cider a little bit here. Um, he did finish with three assists this game, yes. and you could tell the confidence is there. And and the the point should be made of the best players, the best defenders in the NHL are, are able to play with whoever. Yep, and I think well, that might be that kind of might be the idea behind like the Sherratt signing this summer. Let alone even the deployment with those two. With those two, in the sense of okay, let's see if like. He should be able to figure this out, and this is a good practice in the future of being okay. Whoever we throw him with, he can he can thrive. And um, obviously, he was a rookie last year, so he was just gonna 
get paired with whoever, but like we didn't expect him to. Well, he proved it last year. Put it that way, we didn't expect him to come out as hot as he did last year, and he had a different pairing every night where, or <clears throat> through a lot throughout the season where he was still the best defenseman on the ice. Yeah, maybe not in the game. Sometimes depending on who we're playing against, but a lot of the times he, he was kind of he was taking the lead most nights on his pairing. He was I'm going to do everything. Yeah, which it worked a little bit, but also it came back to bite us at points. Oh yeah, especially absolutely. towards later latter half of the year when other guys on the team kind of were you know what do I have to play for kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I mean, Ben Sherrod's a guy who respect. He's very aggressive, mm-hmm. loves to get down low in the forecheck. Um, and again, he scored this game too. Nice shot from the point. He's got a good shot. I'll give him that. Um, but like overall, he he's coming as advertised in the sense of he's a wild card a little bit. Yeah, I, he brings just, a lot. Phys- he brings a lot physically, and it's a, like something Detroit has severely lacked in in past years. Mm-hmm. But he's a bit of a wild ride in the defensive zone sometimes, in the sense of he loves to chase hits. Yeah, and that's that's one thing. Like personally, I'm I'm okay with. Um, to an extent, because like we do need that physical aspect to our game, and I remember it was last year when he got traded to Florida. Grant, you and Grant didn't like it. I think Grant was really against no, Grant, it. Grant, Grant kind of liked it. I was, I was really against. Was it, it you? Yeah, yeah, and I remember like because again, that's all we get over there on the Canadian side is obviously Canadian games and Canadian teams. But watching him more. Getting to, to watch him more than you guys had. Um, there was parts of his game I really liked, and I was kind of excited to see him sign here. To be honest with you, I knew there was the negatives to it, where he does chase hits, he gets lost sometimes looking for that big hit. And I mean, his he talked about a shot. It's a heavy shot, not the most accurate at times. No, no, it's you know you never really know where it's going to go. Um. But I also knew what he brought, and when he settles himself down a bit and lets the hit come to him instead of chasing it, he can be very he can be good defensively, solid defensively. It's all I'm looking for, and again, it's all I'm looking for. And again, back to my point, like with Sider, like you look at any of the best defensemen, like you think Victor Hedman, yeah. he's played with just guy primarily in his career. Like Jan mm-hmm. Ruda got a three year contract worth almost three million dollars a year because of Victor Hedman. Yeah. Well, and look at uh, Eric Carlson's partner in Ottawa for the longest time was Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, Dude that's, a, that's another example. Yeah, literally. That's another example of... 16 sheets. Right. That's another example of you have a, a world-class defenseman and just this guy out there. And nothing against any of those guys. Ruta, uh, Mathot, or Sherratt, but... They know. Again, playing playing a role, and as long as I can, you can keep up, and also like again, it's kind of on the the big guy to learn how to play with them. Yeah, and I think that slowly but surely, I think that that pairing is beginning to work. Obviously, yeah. time will tell. And again, this should be prefaced in the sense of uh, they played Columbus, San Jose, and Anaheim, not the strongest competition, but no. again, it's it's good it's good progress moving forward. Builds that camaraderie builds that confidence together it's like a correct. tune-up game in, in college football correct except for we're 20 games in 20 games in <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, another uh yeah again talked about the other heronical um 
Kubelik in the power play. Again, he's been – it's hard to argue who has been – like like between Vili Huso and Kubelik, they're the, by far the best free agent signings. Maybe Perron yeah. as well. I was going to say Perron too. I thought you were going to go with Perron and Kubelik up front, like up front comparison wise. Yeah, yeah. But I, those three you can throw them in a, hand, in a all the same handbasket or whatever, however you want to say it. I mean, yeah, like Kubelik, nine goals in 18 games, 21 points. He's second only behind Larkin. His shot on the power plays. Again, I don't understand. Like, he only had like five power play points last year for Chicago. How? Never. Did they like never put him out after like the first 10 games? I think they had it was the, the flanks would have been Debrinkit and Kane. So I'm guessing that's just like how they ran it. It was just like, all right, he's in the second unit. Yeah. But again, just utilize that shot. I mean, like, Sometimes like the shot's not even that good, but it just goes in. Exactly. He had a crossbar earlier in the in this power play too, and then eventually he got through with the one timer again. Also, a really nice pass by Cider again, getting yes. Kubelik on it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, dude is a rocket. And um, another positive from this game I wanted to point out was um, the second the the new second line because I think it's something we talked about a couple like past couple episodes of Andrew Cop's game and man, he looks slow. Should he not be playing center? And again, I see the arguments and stuff like that. Um, but the second line could be the start of something. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi gets his first of the year, by the way. Um, ugly goal, but again, it, that's a Tyler Bertuzzi goal to the T. That is a Tyler Bertuzzi goal, and also just getting just get on the board. Like and you're kind of like you're just back from injury. Get on the board. Don't worry about it. Maybe this is the start of something too, right? But mm-hmm. having two contributing lines again is also really big. And having Andrew Cobb having Tyler Bertuzzi and Lucas Ramo, which is kind of like an idea that I kind of like threw out there to start the year or before yeah. the year even started of having like Lucas Ramon try to drive his own line. But then we also proved last year that Tyler Bertuzzi can drive his own line when they had the Suter Fabry line right at one point, which was really clicking for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And then injuries happened and stuff like that, yada, yada. But um, no, Tyler Bertuzzi. Getting him on the board is good, but Andrew Cop's game as well. I thought the this whole line on the cycle was really good. Again, Raymond set up the Shirot goal, which was a play off the cycle that they had possession for about 30 seconds before moving it up to Shirot and who finally finished the play. Not a pretty shot, but it went in. And then again, this goal, Raymond trying to go to the net. Uh puck gets picked off, goes up in the air, and Andrew Cop gets a gets a stick on it, ends up at Bertuzzi in that front. Again, just guys being in the right place, which happens a- in it's positional no, hockey. Exactly. That's the thing is um it's nice having Burt back because you know there's always gonna be when he's on the ice, there's gonna be someone around the net. And yep. That like I said, like we just said, it was a Tyler Bertuzzi goal. And he has he has two types of goals. Either they're highlight reels or they're just garbage goals. Yeah, there's the worst between. or there's, the best. There's nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in between. He either undresses the defender or the goalie or everyone on the ice, or he's just right there and just crashing banging away. Yeah, and I think this second line could be again like those. That top six is pretty comfortable. I'm pretty comfortable with that top six now. And you could, like, moving forward, you're like, I can see, I can see how this could work. Yeah, and and I mean, it's beating the same, beating to the same drum again. But we have the extra guys this year, the depth where we can go back to the same lines and still be comfortable. You know. Like the, yeah, if you wanted to throw Raymond with Bert Larkin and Bertuzzi again, you could do exactly. that. You go, you go Koopley, Cop, Perron. Yeah, either if if things are just it's off night, you need you need to go back to the old ways. You're fine with that too. 100%. And then you're still your 
your two third lines, I guess you could say, because I would, like we said, we don't consider either of those lines third or fourth. No, no. Or, you know, either of those lines, a fourth line, I should say. Um, it's just nicer to have more options again, as we said, Definitely. endless times, countless times. Yep, I couldn't, you said it perfectly. Um, and again, uh, Vili Husso, 27 for 28. I was a little surprised Ned didn't get this game, to be honest, because against Columbus, you know, they're towards the bottom of the league, and Husso had three straight going into that game. Mm-hmm. Or, or no, that was his third straight game, excuse me. But he had two straight, and I thought Ned would get in. But uh, it's kind of shaping up that Husso's going to even get Nashville, too, so that's four straight. It's going to be four straight for him. And again, he's been he's been great. I mean, he had a couple games uh, like the it was the San Jose game where I think he had like a sub 880 save percentage. But again, it wasn't a lot of shots against. That would be the big reason for it. And a lot of those goals, you can kind of point to defensive lapses. Overall, yeah. though, he's been he's been really good for the Red Wings this year. Yeah, I was. So is it uh, there's a trend I've noticed with Husso though over the last 10 games that he's played. A goal that he lets up is when you go far side shoulder or far side corner and hits off his shoulder. That rebound is so bad. Like he's, it's happened. McTavish hit the hit his blocker, I believe, right? McTavish's goal. It would have no. It would have been his glove side, so it would have hit his glove shoulder. I thought because it, 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 it bounced. It bounced out to the glove. It was a glove side goal. I thought it bounced out to the right. That was off. He was off the right wing. I thought he was off the right wing, but that had been a glove side. Far side boat shot. Yeah, I believe I'm right going. on this. I believe I'm right yeah. on this. I'm okay. Whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah, but it just those high far side shot corners. I'm pretty. <laughs> Anyways, um, semantics. Re- really. Yeah, those rebounds get to him or get away from him. I should say he can't. I mean, it's not an easy shot to control. Like you can't really. I mean, you can put your hands up, but then what happens if there's a tip or whatever in between, right? There is also some responsibility are... on the defense to clean up those kind of those kind of rebounds again, like making those first, especially on the McTavish one. I'm pretty sure there was two saves he made yeah. before it ended up even getting to McTavish. That's just like the third rebound. You someone's right. got someone's got to get a stick on it. Exactly, and but um, it happened. It happened again in the San Jose game where it was yeah. off his glove side shoulder, and it, uh, I can't remember who scored. It was what goal it was, but they buried it off that rebound too. Right, I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember it. No, um, I just just remember thinking that myself. But no, he's been overall. He's been really good. I'm yeah, very happy with Billy Huso, and I'm sure we'll. See, I'm sure we'll see Ned at some point. Whether I, I'm guessing that'll be against Arizona on Friday. Probably, I would assume that's a Ned game. But we'll see. Um, with the the Red Wings, though, I mean, we're in an important week in terms of like the hockey media landscape of uh, playoffs, no playoffs. And I'm pretty sure. I mean, uh, to preface this conversation, I want. I do want to say I'm pretty sure the Red Wings were around the playoffs at this point last year. I don't know if they were directly in a spot, but they were in. They were in range. Right. Th- there was also a couple weird things though that like should also be mentioned against my argument. There, I'm pretty sure Boston was one of the teams behind them, and they also had like eight games at hand because they had like a COVID issue. Right. You remember that? Because I remember, I remember we all made jokes. That the Red Wings were like two points ahead of the Bruins, but they were also had <laughs> eight games at hand. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that, which uh, isn't the case this year. The Red Wings are they are in a wild. They're in the first wild card spot. Um, they are one point behind Tampa Bay with the game at hand. They are three points behind Toronto with two games at hand. 
and like they're tied with New York, but New York's like they play an extra game. Pittsburgh's close; they have played an extra game. Florida also blew a game against Columbus the next night, mm-hmm. which was a, which was a that that was a game they probably should have won too. So again, they're they're kind of in the the they're in the mix. They're in the mix of the playoff scheme, and there's like a couple. I'd say like Pittsburgh, Florida, New York, Detroit are all kind of battling it out for that wild card, the wild card spots there. Yeah, it's. It's going to be, I think it's going to be come down to right to the wire, honestly. If the teams, if those set teams keep playing gradually or keep playing the same all the way throughout the season, it's going to come right down to the wire. Um, which is, which is what we hope, which we hope. I mean, again, with the Red Wings, right. we've played, a, we, they've played a pretty easy schedule. Yes. So far. I mean, in, in terms of teams that have like made the playoffs last year, I mean, Boston, LA have been your two toughest opponents, but I mean, LA's LA's a good team. Mm-hmm. Boston's a really, really good team. New Jersey also a really, really good team, which we didn't think about it at the time, but they are really, really good. They've won thirteen straight now. Yeah, uh, I remember like thinking like the first like it was our game two. We we won like five two, and I was like, oh, cruising this is gonna be easy. Yeah. Jersey still sucks. They don't. They're very good. Um, no, again, I think it's just like. It's not necessarily. I think Lalonde he got asked a couple questions about the Thanksgiving thing, and he says with with in Tampa Bay in years past, if they were in this position with Tampa Bay, he'd be very comfortable with them making the playoffs because they have that elite talent. Detroit doesn't have that, yeah. And he and he, he obviously he thinks it's a positive sign, but he's not set on giving a definitive answer. He's just looking forward to teams playing in these small segments, focusing on the, what's the then and now. Versus right. the future. Exactly. And that's a calculated answer, I, I think. Because he also hasn't seen our, our roster, a full healthy roster either since he's been here. No, because even we've had, when, we've had, at the start of the year, we were missing Fabry. Exactly. And game was a game two. Or it was a game one that Bert went down. Did he play one or two games? A game and a half. Yeah, game and a half. He went down, so uh, you know, <laughs> right after again, you're losing a big player, and then Vrana immediately after, right? So there's been... the, uh, that, he still hasn't seen exactly what his whole roster can do together here. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it's been a lot of uh, filling in. I mean, the defense has been relatively healthy, which is a good thing. Um, yes. Besides Gustlin's from getting a little day to day thing, but um, yeah, there it's a lot. I, I'm more confident this year, like in their positioning than last year. Last year was definitely a mirage, and it's just like they played more games. I think they were closer to five hundred. I mean, in terms of points percentage, which is a more to definitive way for teams to be valued, I think the Red Wings are a six eleven right now. And comparing to teams around them, and the Islanders have a six hundred, who are in a third spot in the Metro. Tampa Bay is a six oh five. Um, Pittsburgh five fifty three. Rangers five fifty five seven three. Um, definitely a lot better picture in that sense. Mm-hmm. And this home, they have a five game homestand coming up. That's a big one. Playing teams like Toronto, I think Vegas comes to town as well. Nashville, who's been a better team of late, is just some big, big two points here to try to get, try and get some headway in this division. Exactly. It's, um, as you mentioned, we've had an easier schedule per se, well, an easier schedule than some, a lot of the teams. And I think it's getting to that little bit heavier portion of it, like you said, with Toronto, 
uh, Vegas coming in and Nashville finding their way as of late as well, as he just said. So it's going to be, we have, we said about five in a row, correct? Five games on at home. I'm pretty sure. Let me pull up the exact schedule. Yeah. So it's yeah. Nashville tomorrow today when people are listening to this, uh, Arizona on Friday, Toronto, oh, Toronto Monday, Buffalo Wednesday, and then Vegas to wrap it up that Saturday. Okay, so f- Friday is a, is a is a should be a guaranteed win, but you never say that, right? Yeah, and again, That's the rest of them, the rest of them, I mean, Buffalo shit kicked you the last time. Exactly, and exactly. they just so. they just shit kicked Montreal just now, seven two, as of as of recording. Yes, they did. Yeah, I saw that they were up. I think it was like four one or something like that at the time. Yeah, I think the game just wrapped up and it's seven. Two, it was finished seven two. So I mean, again, they have the capability to score big. If, mm-hmm. they need, if they need to, and again, that's a that's another tough one. And I mean, Toronto should not be taken. I mean, they're going to be an interesting team, especially now Morgan Riley on LTIR. Their defense is is definitely. I I it's weird. I'm, again, I'm going to kind of get off topic of the Red Wings, but um, in the sense of I was watching like Nick Kiprios talk about um, I know he I know how you feel about Nick Kiprios, but just let me finish my thought. I, um, I don't mind him too much. Too I really I thought, I thought okay maybe it was Grant that had like a strong opinion on him. But in the sense of like he had this huge five minute clip of calling like basically he's calling the Maple Leafs idiots of their defense. I'm like, well, yeah, any team that loses their top three defensemen is going to look dumb. Yeah, this is like the Red, yeah, Red, Red Wing. This is like the Red Wing equivalent of losing um, Cider, Hironic, and Mata, and having yeah. to go out and play. It doesn't nothing. That doesn't. I don't like. That's yeah. That's so tough. I don't know. That's Toronto media for you, though. That was ridiculous. Like it was. I'm like, I'm like listening to. Them. I'm like, that's not their fault. No, it's just, it's a tough break. Obviously, you, for a team like Detroit, this is this is this is good for them in the sense of being able to jump on a team that's down. But like in the sense of roster building and stuff like that, that's a stupid take. Dumb. Yeah, that's the, not, that's something you can't control. No, it's not someone's playing how, like the way they're playing or their capabilities of playing. It's literally an injury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I weird. Weird. It is a weird take. It was a yeah. weird. I didn't like it very much. But anywho, it'll be. It, it's a lot tougher. And then it also follow immediately following that, the Reddings have back to back in Columbus. Then they go Tampa, Florida, Dallas, on the road. That's gonna be a whoa. Oh, it could be really bad. Yeah, <laughs> like we said it before we got on. Uh, Dallas is hot right now they're a wagon good yeah. team and then you know tampa's tampa florida they're they have their ebbs and flows as well per se this year mm, nice. but they're still they're still a solid team that's what we I in the believe. business like to call a callback exactly and callback um in terms of other storylines i mean everyone wants eric carlson question mark everyone okay a lot of people are saying Eric Carlson to the wings. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm seeing that from like multiple platform or multiple people, multiple sources. I'm like, holy crap, boys! Yeah, so I wrote a little article about that because it was Mike Johnson. I think that kind of started the fire. Yes, on on TSN, and it was just like very speculatory. Like they, the wings make sense, which in a vacuum, 100 percent they do. They do. Yeah, he's Swedish. He's Swedish, and <laughs> in terms of teams needing to make the cap work, Detroit would be one of the few teams that could. Yeah. And trying to trend upwards, getting a guy who can put up big numbers offensively, which is 
again, Hirona can be a half point per game, which is great now. For career-wise, I mean, obviously, he's a little bit hotter right now. Cider put up 50. You don't have that guy. Right. 100%. You don't have that complete guy. But, I mean, having Carlson, he'd be immediately come here, power play one, whatever. Like, he's taken over. Carlson, I mean, again, he's probably – he's going to finish, like, depending on how bad the Sharks are this year, he could be a top three Norris guy. Right. This year. He's been it's, unbelievable. Yeah. He had a 4.9 against the Red Wings. Yeah. He had a 4.9. It was ridiculous. Hey, who would have thought that uh, – say he does get traded here. Somebody else is wearing 65 right after the Kaiser. Ooh. That's a good point. And I want it to happen. Yeah. No. And I, I basically in my article, I, I said like, it doesn't really make sense in, in terms of being committed to a guy who's going to be 33 soon. It's a lot. And a guy like injury risk. And is this kind of more of a mirage or is it a thing? I don't know. I'll, for the, for the human in me, at the very least, I'm very happy for Eric Carlson that he's performing well. Yeah. He, me too. Um, I, I compare him where they're at the way that they've been playing to a lot of drew Doughty. Mm, okay. Um, where they had their hot years and they had a few three, two or three for sure low years. And then they, you know, Doughty was it last year, the year before he started picking it back up again. I think it was last year. Then last he got year. hurt. Yeah. Last year he got hurt before the playoff run where Doughty was back to old drew Doughty form per se. Not quite obviously to that caliber, but, more esque of it yes so then then you don't i mean he's still doing solid still playing solid this year but it wasn't anything like like last year so no No, that's where i i do kind of see i don't know but eric carlson and drew doughty were similar in the sense of where they were that all-star defenseman but different in the way they play yeah both both producers both producers, Eric Carlson but... <laughs> single-handedly carried the Ottawa Senators to one win away from the Stanley Cup final in 2017. Single-handedly. That pass on Mike Hoffman is one of the nicest passes I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Yeah. Crazy. Disgusting. Over Crazy. eight people. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Actually, um, I, I lied. One of the other crazier passes was the Sedin twins against Detroit where they went, went against the backboards. I believe it was Daniel Sedin from the their blue line iced it and Henrik Sedin was streaking and just gets it and Jimmy Howard didn't know what he was to do. Sick. Yeah. Really Take nice. the shot forehand back. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Eric Carlson. Um, I'm just really I, I'm I would love to see an Eric Carlson trade for anyone just simply for the content reasons of just like being entertained. Yeah, it'd be just because again, is it is it more of a Brent Burns trade in the sense of you're not getting much back, or are they going to ask for a lot? Which, again, if I'm a team trying to acquire Eric Carlson, I'm not giving up anything. It's going to look like a Ben Brent Burns trade. No, if or if I am, you're retaining that salary. Retaining even retaining half half the salary is still it's almost seven million dollars still. Not not seven million dollars. It's it's um. Be six, no, five and a half, five point seven five, I believe. Still a big number. Is it? Is he less. making eleven, eleven and a half? He makes eleven and a half right now. That's a big okay. number. Big number. It's it's uh yeah. again. I mean, five. Uh, if you're gonna sign, I, I kind of look at it in the sense of if you're signing Eric Carlson in free agency today, how much do you want to pay him? 
I'd pay I'd pay him like a three year deal at seven million, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Two eight, seven is a lot, but eight, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there. That's, and yeah, he's got seven, four eight. he's got he's got four years left. So, so I mean you're kind of in that range. Yeah, that's about but, it's it's not it's not uh outrageous per se. Like it's not insane no. to go for it, right? Yeah, so again, if you're looking at it from that point, you're like, okay, I can kind of see this, and you can see value there, and from a team trying to break it down, because that's the three million retention, which is still a big number for the Sharks to retain. Which is, I get, I get that, but it's also, uh, if you want to rebuild, you need to have that cap flexibility to actually do some stuff with it, and not having, and also exactly. not having an, not having an Eric Carlson playing out of his mind on your roster definitely helps your draft slot. I'm curious. Obviously, I, I think the the Red Wing thing is more so spec like like a fan speculation of trying to make a match versus like anything concrete. the The weird one was the Ottawa rumors, though. Like, if I'm Eric Carlson, I want I don't want to go back to Ottawa. Not really. Even though even, I mean, even though he, even though he likes guy. Ottawa, but like also I don't I don't get. I I don't know. Returns are weird. Yeah, the thing the thing with that though is. He like he loves Ottawa. They still live like go there all the time. You know, it's it was his home for the longest time. So yeah, some maybe. people get sentiment about it. Yeah, how heartfelt, you know. I yeah, know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm obviously it's just gonna be a super enticing storyline to follow for the foreseeable future. Maybe not as much as Jacob Chicken right now, but again, right again, I digress. Um. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this one. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, be sure to check out Inside the Rink. And uh, if you go to the merchandise section of the podcast, you'll see some updated merch from yours truly. Support the show. Buy some of our merch. I'm going to get my hands on some very shortly. I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah, be on the lookout for my uh, newest article that should be out around the time the podcast gets released, sometime around then. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Twitter still exists by the, by the time our next recording happens at TBL Pod. Uh, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.